0: This show is sponsored by the Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto. If you're new to Bitcoin, you need to be taking self-custody. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Must be done. Hardware wallets are a great way to do that. And in my opinion, the Bitbox O2 Bitcoin-only edition is a fantastic tool for you to take, to help you take self-custody. It makes it very easy to do so. It's easy to set up, easy to operate, and a great first step. Of course, for the more experienced among you, it's also rich with features Uh, that allow you to uh, enhance your setup. So you can use it with different multi-sig arrangements. It's fully open source. There's reproducible builds. There's a bug bounty program in place, encrypted USB channel communication, and lots of other features. I highly recommend you visit the website uh, and check them out because they really are pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. So if you want to do that, go to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash rapidfire and you can get yourself 5% off. But before you take custody of your Bitcoin, you obviously have to buy it. And if you're in Canada, I highly recommend bullbitcoin.com, a phenomenal non-custodial exchange, which means they don't custody ever your Bitcoin. You buy them through them, you provide them with a receive address, which goes right to your own self-custody. That's the best way to do it so that you're never leaving coins on exchange, as we often say, not your keys, not your coins. You don't want to be left in the lurch should something happen to the exchange internally, externally, or whatever. And very soon also, they'll be offering self-custody support to international clients, which means no matter where you are, you'll be able to avail of their services to help you get set up properly so that you're buying Bitcoin and custodying it in the best way possible. So look out for that. And finally, the Bitcoin 2022 conference. The 2021 conference was insane. I talk about it all the time on the podcast. I had such an amazing experience. And this year, it's going to be on Miami Beach instead of in Wynwood, 35,000 capacity. I can't even imagine what uh, the organizers have in store. I'm sure there's a bunch of surprises. Uh, But the best part about it all is not so much the speakers or the peripheral events; it's meeting other Bitcoiners. If you haven't been to a bitcoin conference you just are gonna have to take my word for it it's incredible so if you'd like to go it's from april 6th to the 9th and if you want 10 percent off your ticket use the code rapidfire at checkout let's do it here we go we're live fanghorn what's up man
1: yo john not much um good to be here thanks for having me
0: thanks for coming man i appreciate you doing this i as i was just saying i'm a fan of your writing, Uh, I think you've published three pieces with Bitcoin magazine around topics that I've been thinking about a lot lately, Um, particularly your, uh, I can't remember the title of it, but the one that discusses truth, goodness and beauty and how Mm -hmm. those tie into something like Bitcoin. So, um, you know, maybe you can give a brief introduction and then we can we can get into it all.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I guess in regards to that piece, um, I think some of the ideas I was thinking about was, um, just like, what is Bitcoin good for? And like, why, um, where does it come from as far as like the potential for, um, kind of upgrading society? I think what it comes down to is, um, truth. Um, and I was thinking about that kind of zoomed out on like a macro scale, as far as like just life in existence. Um, that's kind of a big, a big, uh, frame of reference, but, um, I think, The point I was trying to make was like, um, everything we see around us, as far as like the natural world, is um, it's downstream of truth. Um, if as far as like uh, species and uh, ecosystems and human civilization, like none of it's possible without some sort of like grounding in um, in truth and something that's not going to be changed and something that um, you can rely on. So, to like make it more concrete, um, I think the simplest way to think about it is like. You know, even an amoeba, it can't exist unless um, there's these like uh, unchanging physical laws. Um, so you think about like the speed of light, uh, the charge of an electron, um, some of the very basic like equations in physics. Like the complexity that is required to um, kind of sustain life is only possible if you can't like change and tweak all these like fundamental constants and equations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Um, I think that's, like, I think that's true, like, as far as, like, life bootstrapping itself and, like, going from this molecular soup to, um, like, single-celled organisms and then uh, greater and greater complexity as far as, like, um, more complex species and fully uh, blown ecosystems. Um, And I think in each step of that journey is when you, like, get a step function increase in complexity, there's, like, another layer of um of truth that's required to kind of scaffold and build upon. Um, so to have like a stable reality, we need these stable like physical constants and equations um, so that things just don't like kind of fall apart and become weird. Um, to have life, you need um certain sort of like stable um information that's passed on. And that's that's encoded in DNA, it's encoded in RNA. Um, but then to go one step up, um, I think you need you need more um, kind of like physical constants to like continue that journey of complexity. So um, when we get to, the, when we arrive at human civilization, I think one of the things that's lacking is um, some sort of firm constant to kind of orient ourselves around. Um, I think that's where Bitcoin comes in is that um, it provides us with this like, this thing that we can all point to and say, yeah, that's true. And no one can change it. Um, and I think the implications of that are, is that um, we can like take that next step um, in complexity and build a more um, kind of beautiful and more um, ornate civilization around around that um, kind of kernel of truth. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, as you say, all these
0: like some you know universal parameters uh, effectively limitations of various kinds is actually what permits, you know, complexity to, to form, right. If there was no limitations, mm-hmm. if there was no parameters, everything would just dissolve into goo. Right. So it is like, you know, that idea of, you know, absolute limitations allowing for a type of absolute freedom or liberation as paradoxical as that might sound. And I guess one of the names of the games, one of the, one of the names of the game for, uh, organisms in such an environment is to is to try to increase the fidelity of the relationship with those parameters right because it's almost like that is what's adaptively uh, competitive right like the more you you see it's true like i want to say the more you conform to those parameters ostensibly the more let's say energy efficient you'll be in that environment and then the greater likelihood that you'll be adaptively competitive right but it's yeah because
1: if you're going to like if you're going to build like if you're going to build a foundation like if you're going to build a building you need a strong foundation you can't you can't build the thousand stories up on you know a pile of sand it's not going to last so if you're if you're an organism and you're like you know um sort of becoming more complex um the degree to which the thing you're aligned upon is sound and is secure like that's just going to allow you to um, kind of take that next step and right right
0: move through it m- more efficiently and effectively right and it's, it's it's interesting because as you mentioned like you have the physical laws right let's say gravity you know etc cetera, etc cetera, among others then you have like you know these sort of laws that impinge or impose biologically but money is one well humans are social beings right and we, we're meaning making machines so we also have And and perhaps these stack on top of each other, but we also have, uh, like, let's say unseen social realities that are kind of uh, constructs or emerge from consciousness itself. Now, obviously there's a relationship between the other um, unchanging laws of of different systems, because they're all nestled within one another. Right. But it is interesting. And I, I think, generally speaking, this is part of the religious impulse. It's like, okay, we, you know, we know if we jump off the balcony, we're gonna fall at a certain speed and you know it's gonna be that damaging. And we we kind of we're really good at measuring and identifying the the various parameters of life. But the one that, you know, maybe is more contentious, especially especially in the modern world, is trying to understand the parent per the potentially universal parameters that influence or that that um that mold or shape our own consciousness as human beings. And that may be part of the religious enterprise to try to identify that interface layer, identify what those parameters are such that just like in any other system, we can move, forward, move through it more efficiently and more effectively.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And I think, you know, civilizations throughout time have like, you know, sort of stewed on that and like over many generations have arrived at some sort of connection with that underlying like social truth that you kind of allude to, like the thing that like makes us human, like the, you know, the human condition itself, there's like something that's like bubbling underneath the surface and like, it's not maybe readily accessible in the everyday, but, you know, over many generations and many people thinking about this, we can like gain some sort of insight into what is that special thing that makes us human. Um, Mm -hmm. The problem though, is that like, that's been true and that's been developed like kind of in a stable environment of like over maybe thousands of years in a particular environment with a particular like set of people that has has a relation to each other. Um, but as we've like, you know, become more globalized and um, human civilizations have merged and kind of fragmented recently and like there's a lot of, there's a lot of turmoil that's kind of like um, upset that sort of natural connection to that maybe ancient wisdom that's been accrued over many years and, and maybe is particular to like a certain lifestyle in a certain geographic location. Like there's like these, um, uh, these context factors that like feed into whatever that like call the hash function, if you will, of like going from all of these like inputs to like um, some sort of like stable um, like wisdom, truth output that like society can use as a glue. Um, And I think we've arrived at a point now where like you know with scientific advancement with the blending of cultures there's like a little bit of disorientation happening um and I don't think it like invalidates any of those like ancient truths ancient wisdoms for whether it be like the Christian tradition or the Jewish tradition or any one of their like kind of religions or ways of being but I think it is true to say that like any one of those traditions doesn't really have the power to apply across all of humanity right now. And we are kind of like this global network species now. So we are that, but we're also like without in some way an anchor or a roof or like some sort of like um, connection to whatever that like binding agent is in human society. Um, And yeah, I kind of like, I think it's a little early, a little uh, presumptuous to say like Bitcoin is, a religion, I think, you know, maybe some people are going to treat it like that. But um, it's not at all like, I don't, I don't view it that way. But um, it is a sort of global, accessible, universal um, touchstone to something that is true. And I think it can, it can maybe fill the void and act as that, that binding agent within this sort of like, um, global mix of cultures and traditions and Um, it can be a thing that helps to guide us as we like continue down this exponential growth of technology, which is going to be disorientating. So I think we need maybe like a um, internet native technology, native um, access point to that, like truth, if you will, the the binding agent. I don't know. It's like the terminology kind of breaks down. There's like, (laughs) I think it's the interesting thing though, is that like, maybe it's, yeah there's maybe bitcoin doesn't like it doesn't go the same place that religion does but it does it it does allow people to coordinate across um across wide scales such that like you know if you grew up in the you know middle ages and you were you know a christian and like you met someone on a pilgrimage in some different country you could relate to them there's like some sort of um, cultural exchange that like is inherent because you're all kind of plugged into the same system, um, and there's a lot of power in that. I think it like that's what allowed for the construction of cathedrals and these great works of art, and like um, kind of carrying the torch of Western civilization. That that was made possible because there was something that was like, um, yeah, kind of binding the whole um, human project in in Europe specifically. I'm talking about uh, the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I think you make a lot of good points there. And, you know, back to the, one of the first points you were making in, in kind of saying, like, we attempt to ground ourselves or orient ourselves around, you know, certain immutable parameters, right? Because we basically say, okay, this is the ground of being. What do the characteristics of the ground of being how do they inform us in terms of what behaviors are most optimized for that specific territory and i think you're right in saying that because we, the the only way we can do that you know humans are are meaning making machines where we we use symbols to speak to aspects and elements of ourselves and to inform ourselves in ways that we can't necessarily articulate you know certain ineffable things and so mm-hmm. We draw those symbols from our environment, because where else can we draw them from? And then we make, you know, agglomerations of them to try to use different elements from our environment to make the maximal, like, affective symbol, right? And so, you know, um, people like Jordan Peterson have talked about that, like, why is the idea of, like, the fire-breathing dragon or the lion with wings and a, and a, and a, and a lizard's tail and all that kind of stuff, like... Why do they emerge, and why are they prevalent throughout um, religious symbolism and cultural symbolism throughout time? And it's like, well, you can appreciate. It. It's like, well, these cultures were attempting to create a symbol that identified, let's say, in this case, the greatest threat possible, right? Like, what's mm-hmm. what's more right. threatening than a lion? A lion that can fly and breathe <laughs> fire and you know yeah, jump over that. buildings and stuff like that. So, yeah. we we use those symbols to expand the space or get a feel for just what forces we are acting within and attempting to maneuver through. And Mm -hmm. I think you make a good point in saying that naturally these were developed locally over long periods of time. And even though on a certain level, because we're all on earth, a lot of the symbolism will carry over in different uh, geographies throughout earth. Some, there's also an aspect that some will be far more specific to certain areas and, and certain eras based on just simply the environment that those human beings had access to to construct their symbolism
1: exactly yeah and, there's different variables
0: yeah right and so I think I think it's quite possible that over the last hundred years as we've become a globalized world with what seems to be like an emerging global culture however mm-hmm. crit- critical of it we might be and we can discuss why that you know why that why we're critical of it later but It may be the case that that is part of the reason why religion is seeing is less and less uh, attractive or valid to people because it's less and less applicable across such a broad scale. And so, you know, I I find it very interesting. I, I like I think Bitcoin. Well, I mean, we could broadly say it's a it's a symbol. And then the question becomes like, well, what is it a symbol of? Is it a symbol of unity? Is it a symbol of truth? Is it a symbol of absoluteness? Is it a symbol of uh, yeah, connection, those sorts of things? And you know, the answer is probably yes. And then the, the, the question is like, well, what what is the utility or power of that symbol? If we if we kind of agree that all symbols let's say have a certain power. And then we hierarchically arrange those symbols to come to the symbols with the greatest possible affect in terms of our relationship to it. You might say like the symbol or the idea of God, like is at the top of that hierarchy once we Mm -hmm. arrange them all. And, you know, so where in that hierarchy does a symbol that contains the meaning and much more uh, uh, that I just articulated around Bitcoin, where does that fall in the hierarchy? So I guess the, the point, I just want to make and I'll hand it off over to you. It's like, I think you're right in that the, the relevance of the symbolism in the religious stories, it's quite possible that that's diminished as a global culture has emerged that. Um, yeah, that, that's the, that's the local significance of all of those different symbols may have diminished slightly as a result of a global culture. But I don't think we can do without that relationship to those symbols because they help us contextualize the unseen world of let's say our un- unconscious and so it's very interesting to see the emergence in that type of glo- global culture which is a new environment and and as a result of that it's to be expected that new symbols would need to be elucidated from that new environment and let's just okay. broadly say that new environment is the digital world mm-hmm. uh, it's it's you know it'll be very interesting to see how how that well, what new symbolism emerges to accommodate the, almost the necessity for uh, symbolism in order to interact with with our unconscious and the unseen world, and so and will Bitcoin replace religion? Will Bitcoin, you know, merge with the the existing religious symbolism and kind of renew and reinvigorate it? These are things that I've been thinking about a lot lately.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's certainly hard to say. It'll be fun to watch it play out um but yeah i think it's just it's we agree there's like there's something necessary that's been lost in the current context we've kind of like come upon this new land and we're like naked to the elements we need to like figure out how to deal with it and and one of those ways is like yeah constructing some sort of mythology that allows us to like sort of interact with and translate and tap into the unconscious which is like this incredibly powerful thing that like we can't really put words to. We need these symbols, we need these memes and metaphors to actually like draw out the useful things from that deep, deep well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think Bitcoin is that thing in this new world. Um, I don't think it supersedes religion. I think it coexists with it definitely in the short term because I think it's like they it kind of serve two different purposes. It's It's like maybe right now Bitcoin is the thing that allows us to Kind of relate to every other human being um but maybe right now it's not it's not as well equipped there isn't like the mythology built up around it to kind of go deeply within oneself i think maybe that's true for someone who's like gone down the rabbit hole really deeply and spent you know thousands of hours on this thing and you can like meditate on some of the finer points and really kind of like have some aha moments um maybe that's stage two maybe like right now for the, for the, um, for the masses, if you will, it's just like, it's just a way to like coordinate with fellow man. And then like, oh, you have sure, your, sure. you also have the, your own religion to kind of like, sort of, you know, plumb the depths of your own subconscious and kind of like tap into that ancient wisdom. Um, and yeah, maybe over time, there's some sort of like blending of the two, because they, they serve similar purposes as far as like projecting like your own mental capacities or spiritual capacities, um, beyond your immediate, um, skull. <laughs> um, and I think when you talk about like, what are the things that sort of make Bitcoin or what are like maybe the inherent, uh, inherent symbolism contained within this thing called Bitcoin? It's like, one of the things I keep going back to is, I think it, it, I got this idea from, um, one of Michael Pollan's books and he talked about, like the ancient wisdom of the Greeks as far as like having all these different gods that kind of like represented a component of the human psyche. Right. And the book, I think it was the Botany of Desire. And he's talked a lot about how like there's um, this spectrum between like Apollo and Dionysus, like chaos and order. Um, and I think that Bitcoin really kind of well encompasses those two things because here you have this like, global immutable ledger that no one can no one can f with but um at the same time that's only made possible from like like basically mining like pure entropy and uncertainty it's like you you do the you just check a bunch of random numbers and like from that like wellspring of chaos you like construct complete solid order which is like mm. a pretty incredible like like yin and yang dynamic um, and that Thinking about that, I think that's true across a lot of different domains. Um, so to wrap it back to what we talked about at the start of the conversation, um, when I think about like the, the sciences and the kind of physical reality, I think there is a natural kind of like order as far as like base layer to most like advanced layer, if you will. I think it starts like with physics and then chemistry and then biology and then ecology and then maybe you could talk about like human psychology and like poli you know it's like goes from like atoms to molecules to species to ecosystems to like human civilization itself um, and on each layer there's like this sort of basis of stability that allows for that next construction of complexity but um it's interesting because like i think that that strong foundation in each case is like born from this um this like massive chaos so if you look at physics closely enough if you keep going down like you hit quantum and like that doesn't make sense like there's just (laughs) a bunch of weird things happening there were like things like spring in and out of existence and like oh something exists only when you observe it and by the way when you observe it like a tangled entity somewhere else might change it's like none of that makes sense it just feels like a like i'm not really qualified to speak on all that like in detail but from my perspective it just feels like this like rolling massive like randomness and chaos but nonetheless like from that is born like classical physics which like we know these are like rock solid equations and like we can like construct an airplane or build a bridge and we know like for sure it's going to work um so that's interesting it goes from like chaos to order and then like you go one step up and like okay because physics works we have all these molecules and they're like bumping around and like there's they have momentum and velocity and they're they're hitting each other and like eventually they can kind of combine and make reactions and you have chemistry and there's like a bunch of like so like from molecular soup you have like this stable thing called chemistry that we can like like perceive and like figure out and like use to our advantage but you can't really hope to describe like every molecule that's like bouncing around in your in your room like there's just infinite chaos there right um and then like from chemistry you get you you eventually get life and that's like based on you know dna and rna sort of copying itself um but just copying itself that it doesn't really work you need this like copy error to happen you need like mutations to happen you need like things to not work and like just this like mess of dna that happens to like make a bunch of mistakes and like that's good because then you get adaptation you get speciation you get like like the advancement of life if you didn't have any of that you would probably just have a bunch of like single-celled organisms or not even anything that complex you just have dna itself copying itself infinitely um and then if you take it one step further like you have this like like messy system of like a ecosystem where like you know animals are constantly killing each other and like you know a bird might construct a nest and it might fall off in a storm and its babies die. like that's that sucks but um from that like chaotic mess of just like life happening you get a very stable and diverse and beautiful ecosystem um and eventually out of that crazy mess out pops like uh ape that has like kind of super powered brain and like that's like the human species like kind of emerged from that crazy mess and had like this incredible like um mental capacities that like allowed for like perception of reality and then like understanding of reality and then like utilization of these like things that have been observed and like we can like make tools and uh, pass on knowledge and construct language. And um, from all that we build civilization. And I think right now we're like, we are bumping up against the ceiling. We don't really have uh, the foundation required to take the next step. And maybe like the last call it like 3000 years have been we haven't really had civilization maybe it's called it like lowercase c civilization where like it's we're in this like chaotic mess of just like random shit happening and like empires rise and fall and people hyperinflate currencies and like it's a it's like this is not how you would script it like it's not really like uh smooth sailing you know um but maybe like out of all that mess out pops bitcoin and like that is like the next layer of like foundation upon which we can actually build the real like capital c civilization that like we as a human species are destined to do
0: yeah i mean i i totally agree with that characterization and that premise it's just really interesting to have a a suitable framework to understand how all these systems evolve and then how they uh they work together and each you know Mm because like each system is influenced by and formed by the one kind of well definitely the one below it and you know it it also leads to the creation or the emergence of one above it and necessarily it imbues the one that it creates with many of its Mm -hmm. same qualities or parameters and in certain instances right because each you know this one forms that one this that one forms this one that one forms that one and so like you know this kind of Speaks to the credibility of the idea that there's a, a fractal structure to reality, right? Because the the, yeah. the shape of any one system is in some way transmuted into the shape of the one that it, uh, the, the one that emerges from it, and then mm-hmm. that happens again, and that happens again, and they're all connected in that sort of a way. And you know, the the again back to that that religious notion. It's like it seems like civilization, at least in part, is that figuring out process of like what are the parameters of well human you know consciousness really like self-awareness let's say rather rather than consciousness right because let's say apes are and animals are conscious to some degree Mm -hmm. but we are uh self-aware of our consciousness and have an ability to explore it and influence it and but maybe, you know, this chaotic mess is just like, well, what should be, what is the appropriate relationship to have to that not just to understand it, but also the to engage in the inevitable process of that system from that system emerging something else emerging a higher form of order. Right, because is this just the way things go like in in, Mm -hmm. to infinity that, that the systems continue to create order upon themselves. And, you know, I think, I don't think it's a difficult argument to make like we've been discussing that religion is definitely a part of that like why, why is it that, you know, this story of civilization is the story of religion. Like we, you know, you go back to the ancient Sumerians, you go back to the ancient Indus Valley civilizations, you go back to ancient Egypt. Their primary focus was, you know, their their, uh, you know, mythic story, religion, whatever you want to call it. Like that was the the central feature, and and perhaps for very good reason. Perhaps the reason why we don't have a legacy of civilizations that may not have placed such an emphasis on that is because mm-hmm. it was so competitively or adaptively. Uh, beneficial right like because if, if, if you if you see those things as doorways to meaning then you know and this is an interesting conversation around uh, Bitcoin as well because like what is the ultimate source of value Well, I, I think you could say it's it's meaning right like you you, you need a framework of meaning in order to uh, bestow mm-hmm. and perceive value in things and so mm-hmm. the more the more uh, access to meaning, the more complex your universe of meaning is. Sure. Then perhaps the more uh, the more complex your universe of value is, which allows for greater differentiation, specialization, trade, innovation. Which of course, from one civilization to another, is competitive because you have you know different weapons and better agricultural systems and all that kind of stuff. And so that's that's been prevalent for the last. Five thousand years of human civilization and mm-hmm. that process of being like mediated how we mediate that relationship with the unknown potential within us the chaos the unconscious however you want to characterize it and with all in in all cases like this as you were saying about nature like you you need the mutation right you, you have to like any of those systems in order to kind of cement or ossify Will have to necessarily be overly limiting as well right so it's that like balance between like how do we make sure that these are stable enough for that emergent order that comes from them but a necessary element of that is the ability to mutate or change or evolve and and again there's there's a beautiful analogy here with the the quote-unquote um uh creative hero regenerative hero in you know like peterson's work or in young and, and neumann's work about the you know the unconscious and or or joseph campbell's work about the monomyth where this this story mm-hmm. permeates pretty much all uh, religious myth and, and narrative throughout the world it is this the idea of a divergent entity that emerges from a let's say you know somewhat stultified or stale system to bring an you know a an elevated or a new form or a, a somewhat altered and improved form of order to that system and how that there's a lot of friction there because the system has gotten to where it's gotten because of the success of its existing principles but then you have the mutation or the hero that pops up and says it can be improved in this way and oftentimes the hero or the mutation is uh Very is disruptive. initially yeah yeah it's very disruptive and, and maybe they're initially done away with or maybe they initially don't survive but the idea that they represent survives in some capacity conscious or or, or subconscious you know and and depending on what system or analogy we're using here
1: or and, maybe they don't maybe it takes you know a thousand of those times happening, and then one time finally it sticks right yeah yeah exactly yeah which like kind of makes it inevitable in a way if you have this like bubbling chaos and like something always pops up like eventually like it's going to persist. That's the point. That's the yeah. point
0: though. when you say like right. that makes it inevitable, that is, that is the, the, the wisdom of, of mm-hmm. this mythic story, these mythic stories in this religion. It's like, again, if, if they're trying to populate a, the territory of our unconscious or human beings uh, interaction with the reality in which we exist, then them identifying that that is an inevitable part of this evolution this creative evolution of systems building within systems building within systems that we're a part of is so incredibly wise and insightful right and i think that's why it's had such a powerful subconscious effect throughout the ages you know like i don't mean to be disrespectful to any people that are are religious but my my observation is that a lot of people that are religious in today's world are religious in more of the sort of dogmatic way where, you know, they're kind of told what the tenets are of a certain religion, and they're told kind of what the rules, the do's and don'ts are, and they, they adhere to them. And there's definitely still value to that. But I think there's a, there's a deeper layer of where, of where the very reason, the raison d'etre of these systems, where they spring from, and there's an incredibly deep wisdom within them. And so back to your point about civilization, I mean it could very well be the case that over the last however many years you want to you want to lay that on it's that period of mutation right, right. where we're like okay we there's a, there's been a certain level of success in the system and now it requires re, a rejuvenation or a reinvigoration mm-hmm. of some kind and that process is always messy because you're 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 standing on the shoulders of the success you've established in the past and you're reaching further beyond it back into chaos, right? And that, that creates a lot of unknown and a lot of danger. But the, I guess the underlying faith of this whole idea is that it is worthwhile to do that. And if you do it the right way and perhaps for long enough, you will find something in the chaos that is rejuvenating to the system
1: that brings it to the, then the next level. And yeah maybe that is like the point of it all it's like our highest calling is to like right. just continue this journey and like advance whatever this like project of life is like the next step yep yeah um, and, and and
0: and an interesting way to think about that is like can that be achieved or created or inspired in any other way than just sheer pressure and by that i mean like mm-hmm. uh, let's say a, a like a an ecological system like will it bubble up like real transformative change unless it absolutely has to and my my, my intuition is kind of like no right because mm-hmm. if a system is not forced to the brink to adapt then why would it and yeah. i i almost feel right, like might,
1: that-, that, that sorry that adaptation yeah like i said might happen but then it just gets swept away by the dominant uh system that, that right. exists. and it doesn't right. get actually like built upon unless the conditions arise such that that is required
0: yeah, it, ha- it has to resolve a fairly significant issue, right, of the mm-hmm. system mm-hmm. itself. And, you know, as, as down as I'm sure many of us get these days about just the, the chaos of the current world, you know, I'm starting to see in Bitcoin the potential to, to be representative of that thing where, yeah. like this, this this uh, enterprise of human civilization, it, you know, has achieved a certain level of success, and it's also perhaps taking back steps at this stage, and perhaps has been taking back steps for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. I mean, it depends mm-hmm. on your perspective on history, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I love to look at ancient Egypt and just be like, "What the fuck," you know? Totally, uh, the Greeks.
1: I mean, it was like right, it's nuts. The degree of like things they're able to figure out yeah. and accomplish, and and, and just because we
0: have like computers today, we're like, "Oh, we're more advanced." It's like, eh, careful. Careful with that one. No, I'm sure um, most of
1: those people could run circles around us mentally. Like they had more, they exercised their mental cap or capacities more than you know the typical human does now. Yeah. Even that that's probably even true of hunter gatherers, you know? So um, I think yeah, there's a lot of um, and lot so of this, the,
0: of this 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 is the point of pressure I was uh, was getting to. It's like, okay, so we we kind of we've constructed a world of symbol that's served its purpose mm-hmm. as helping us mediate. Our relationship with the ineffable, ineffable, the unconscious and fostered a unity and, and, and created certain uh, understood ground rules for more order to be established. But mm-hmm. now, for whatever reason, the this, this space between those things has expanded to such a degree that the, it's somewhat unmoored and that's created a lot of, a lot of problems, a lot of tension, a lot of individual strife and struggle, a lot of social degradation. And because of that pressure in the unconscious of the collective as represented mm-hmm. through an individual comes what seems to be a unifying solution to that, or, or yeah, a solution, not to say the final solution, but a, a solution to that particular stress of that system. Okay. And if we, if we kind of agree that that's Bitcoin, then you know, that's a very, the, the, let's just say the process of its emergence sounds very similar to the process of the emergence and the utility of religious symbolism.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's like to make it as concrete as possible, I think like you compare it to like two chemicals interacting, like they need to be close enough and with high enough energy in the system to actually achieve a reaction. It's called activation energy. Like it's just like you need this like baseline condition to allow like the possible to transpire. Um, And I totally agree that like, we are in that phase right now. Like, it's no coincidence that you know, Satoshi published a white paper in like the peak of, or yeah, peak of like the 2008 financial crisis. Um, and we talk about like, yeah, what is the utility of religion? How, what is the utility of Bitcoin? Like, does it do the same thing? I think, yeah, there are very similar things. And I think it, I'm reminded of like, you know, Plato's forms he kept talking about. Like, maybe that is like, to some degree the point of civilization is for like us as humans to like tap into this crazy you know thing we are endowed with which is our c- unconscious and like kind of try to make sense of what are those like ineffable forms that like seem to have utility in the real world um, and i think you know we talk about obviously people go out and mine bitcoin but you know in a weird sense like bitcoin is mining us i think mm. the the thing that it is mining is like a like beneficial human value, which I think there's probably many of them, but one of them in particular is low time preference. And that's one of the things to talk about in my in one of my articles is like that is the basis of civilization. Like nothing like of value is constructed or or comes to being without some kind of low time preference like chosen. You can't build a tool, you can't build a building, you can't do any artwork without like having some sort of like longer than immediate timescale in your mind. Um, and I think, yeah, the story of today of a fiat culture is like we have like lost that. We we are in like high time preference mode and like that that is inherently like reverting back to a simpler stage of like biology of human civilization. So like if we want to continue this project and like advance in some way, we need to like like basically double down, and like like figure out how to imbue more humans with lower time preference. Mm-hmm. Um and when you if you like zoom out all the way as far as like existence and life and what the hell is the point of this whole thing like one thing i've been thinking about is like here you have the universe right and like what like one of the inherent constants or like known facts of the universe is like the increase in entropy like things are just kind of like if you follow that all the way out to the end like there's it's hypothesized that like eventually we'll reach the heat death of the universe and like things just sort of peter out and like that's kind of depressing. Like, it's kind of like, oh shoot, that's how it ends really? Like, that's too bad. Obviously it's like perhaps trillions of years in the future and like not going to be our problem, but it's still like, it, it kind of rubs you the wrong way. And so if that's a story of the universe, just like this increase in chaos and disorder, it's interesting that like the yin to that yang, like the inverse of that just kind of like popped up, which is life, which is just like self-constructing thing that like is like counter to that whole flow of time of entropy is like it life becomes more complex and like it like is this bubble of order that is existing in this like huge flow of disorder Mm -hmm. um and so like maybe the whole point of this of life of civilization of humanity is just like to like advance that project of like increased order to like you know, I joke like, like return balance to the force, if you will. It's like, you have all this entropy and like, that's kind of like baked in the cake. Um, So it's like, it's almost like not unsurprising that you have this like countervailing force. Because like, one of the things I always like, kind of return to and like have faith in is that like, of like symmetry, like symmetry on pretty much all levels. Like, I think that includes like the grain of scale. And like Mm. the fact that like you have this all powerful entropy and then yet you have life and I think I think life is the natural like sort of action reaction to the natural state of the universe which is just like increased entropy so one of the things I recently read actually was um what was it called I think it's called the last question I think it was one of um Isaac Asimov's short stories um and in it he talks about like like the fullness of time like uh he projects forward like humans have colonized the galaxies and um they've obviously for a long time known about this entropy problem the fact that like eventually the universe will just sort of like dissipate and peter out and like that'll be it and so like for you know millions or billions of years they've been like constructing this supercomputer to answer the question of like how do we reverse entropy um and i don't really want to ruin the whole story but like at the end of the story, like basically you're left with this, like, or the computer is always like asked this question, like, how do you reverse entropy? And the answer is always like, Oh, I'm still collecting data. And then at the very end of things when like the last human sort of dies out and like all the stars are snuffed out, like the the computer finally, like figures out the answer. And then like, in a moment of like pure consciousness, like boom, another big bang is, is (laughs) like, maybe that is like the grand pendulum swing between like, existence and non-existence like maybe that's just how things go back and forth and maybe this project of life is like just the natural inevitable path of like uh the universe sort of like counteracting itself
0: yeah i don't know if that well, makes sense I, it makes perfect sense to me uh you know i'm, I'm certainly amenable to and, and lean towards the idea that pretty much everything is cyclical everything has a pattern mm-hmm. and yeah if that is true then what you just said you know is at least uh, reasonable or, or possible to some degree mm-hmm. but you know you raise an interesting question that i've been thinking about lately as well and that is kind of the why right like okay what like okay complex systems develop around absolute principles and now that that's occurring perhaps most the, the most activity of that process the the rapidity of that process is amplified in the human cultural sphere through consciousness right so like we're you know let's say uh physical systems and constants developed over you know hundreds of billions of years or whatever it is billions of years you know from from the the big bang and whatever big bangs came before that and then you know ecological systems over hundreds of millions of years Mm -hmm. and now you know our our cultural systems our systems of interaction our systems of of consciousness happening really fast i mean like all the just to, you know even just to consider the impact on human consciousness of of the digital world where now we're bombarded with like thousand ten thousand million x more information and data and signal than just 50 to 100 years ago you know so obviously that change in our environment and circumstance is going to require and inspire changes in us so it's, it's it's happening extremely quickly but nevertheless I still think like well regardless of the system you know why <laughs> I guess I guess this kind of goes to your question like well what is the meaning of life and at least in the in the in the case of talking about how our relationship to our unconscious is an evolutionary process and changes over time and includes the you know we've touched on kind of Put, how potentially that process may unfold and let's just say like the 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 goal is to become like a per, you know a perfectly integrated psyche or self right again back to like the ideas of young and neumann and stuff um where like every component of your consciousness is like properly configured Right, and let's also say that that process is an ever-evolving process. So, like we've been saying, you establish order based on the inputs and the environment that you are part of, and then the inputs, the environment, something changes, and you need to re-establish order again to to achieve that uh, integration. Right, and but still, it's like yeah okay well let's say you're able to achieve that let's say that's the idea of enlightenment or nirvana or, or whatever you know that that emerges throughout the ages as well as part of, as like these exemplars of having achieved this type of order it's like well why and i'd like to get your opinion on this because you 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 kind of touch on it in in one of your pieces but it's like well maybe maybe the why is just to to be a more effective node of of creation right to Mm -hmm. to allow the the impulse of complexity of creation of novelty to more unobstructedly flow through you in whatever that may be maybe you build something in the physical world maybe you Mm -hmm. articulate something maybe you emote or feel something maybe you cause another person to feel something like all Mm -hmm. of these are different ways of of creating and it's almost like that 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 perfectly integrated self has access to the wellspring of creation itself, which in my own opinion, and this is a bit, you know, this can be interpreted as a bit hippy dippy, but I think like at the base layer is, is love. Right. And that doesn't really make sense because that's not enough description to, to really fill the gap sure. here, but, but let's just say that's, that's the case. Then the properly integrated individual is able to dip into that and express it in perhaps an infinite array of complexity, and mm-hmm. maybe that's the point of this, inc- this never-ending process of complexification, uh, instability as a result of uh, the environment or the inputs not matching the order that's been established or increasingly not matching it, and then being re-established such that more order can be drawn up from the, the well of yeah of you know existence basically into a new system into the world again you know and we're just speculating here
1: right because we're not going to figure out the meaning of life here (laughs) but like you know we can try is is, uh is that what's going on yeah no i first off like i think yeah i agree with all that um and obviously there's like ambiguities uncertainties and like we don't it's not like the full picture i don't think in some way the full picture possible possible. maybe the next stage of like
0: well we'd be pretty arrogant if we if we thought it was yeah no but i think that is figure it out
1: that is our calling is to like make the effort like because i don't know like because we can like i don't think my dog can i don't think my fish can like but i think we can like we have some unique capacity so i think like if you've got the if you got the skills you gotta work it you know so um (laughs) that's kind of what we're doing and i think I would add to like yes I think there's a, a creative impulse a creative ability that like the exercise of which is literally like part of our calling but I think also like on the fl- not the flip side but with that I think is just the perception of perception of beauty maybe I think that's like part of the equation of what we're here for like maybe we are just the universe like the universe's attempt to just like basically self-perceive and just like experience its you know, own like, glory yeah wonder <laughs> really? at the existence of it all because like if we weren't here no one was doing that it'd be it'd be kind of a shame just be like okay right. what's well, this a bunch of animals like doing animal things you know um and yeah when you say like you know maybe the point is love like i think that is true and i think yeah it's easy to like smirk at that and say like you know that's hippie stuff but Smoke more no weed. i think there is there is a kernel of profound truth there i think i have thought a bit about this and like (laughs) not to get more cliche but like what is love (laughs) um i think (laughs) there is something there that like like i think love is in some way it's like the life affirming impulse like if you if you love someone if you feel love i think that that feeling points to something that is like good for or adaptive for like the maintenance of life um, whether that's like loving your children, or like um, I, you can have love for other things, and I think I think if you feel that it's it's like a it's like a pointer to like okay, this is like this is a good thing, this is like life supportive thing. Um, so I think we talk about like this duality between like the flow of entropy and life kind of going counter to that and like making order. I think I think the the thing that propels life is this is whatever the life-affirming impulse is. Um, Maybe part of that is, like, anti-fragility. Maybe part of that is just, like, I don't know if you can really, like, put a name on it, but whatever it is that, like, bolsters life and propels it forward, yeah, I think that is love, Um, and I think the human species has, like, maybe more access to more nuance of that thing, Um, and maybe, like, you know a turtle has some access to that thing and maybe it's just like a lesser degree of like can a turtle feel love like yeah maybe but maybe just not to the same degree as us you know mm-hmm. um yeah i think that's you know i i was just ended <laughs>
0: <laughs> i was thinking about your um idea of like you know the relationship between truth goodness and beauty mm-hmm. and just as you were speaking there and this is kind of a theme that we've been wrestling with throughout this conversation but like it's almost as though those things are representations of and judged to the degree they rep- they represent like an open channel to the ineffable Mm-hmm. right whatever we just so like when you're yeah, confront- in
1: like platonic forms in some way yeah
0: yeah like when you when you're confronted with like just awe-inspiring beauty what's going on mm-hmm. there like your mm-hmm. your brain is being confronted with something that it can't necessarily fully rationalize or or logically reason with but it it you you it's almost like you're affected to the degree that it is speaking to something beyond your understanding and perhaps yeah. fundamental to understanding itself and the mm-hmm. same may be the case for, you know you see an example of extreme compassion, empathy, or love, right? Someone like gives their life for another person or does something like, then you, you, you see it and you're, you're struck in a way that doesn't really register. And I think a, a similar thing happens when you're confronted with truth. And, and like, maybe this is an element of, of what's happening with Bitcoin. It's like you, something can be so nakedly true and let's say immutably true that that also like opens a channel to that place where whatever that place is right it's like made, you know and th- th- this is the case for symbols as well like i think people discredit you know especially in the the world of today you know kind of the hyper rational hyper logical world and i have nothing <laughs> against rationality or logic and far from it but like we seem to discredit the idea that we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're meaning orienting machines, right? We're, we're driven by symbolism stories are just like mm-hmm. a, a string of symbols put together in, in a artistic way to make sure that they affect us in a certain way. Right. right. But it's all still symbols. And like, what are these symbols? And I think it seems rational to me that these symbols are like extremely dense, communication mm-hmm. of meaning right like a word is is not very dense communication but a symbol mm-hmm. can, can, can communicate and, and uh, you know and well the degree to which a symbol communicates the infinite is perhaps its determinant of power right mm-hmm. and so like if we see something that's incredibly beautiful or, or we confront a truth that is uh seems like so deeply true maybe that's the reason why they're so powerful is because they're they're actually like the bandwidth to the ineffable or that source thing has is is most open in those symbols and therefore Mm -hmm. they they have such a power
1: yeah yeah one of the things so when you talk about like bitcoin is truth like yes i think it is it is like a portal to truth it's like a kind of universal api for the human species like anyone with internet connection can somehow like touch this thing and affect it. But one thing I want to explore is like, I mean, yeah, it's like a glorified spreadsheet, right? Like, (laughs) like a bunch of entries in database, like, I don't know, maybe that gets like an accountant really excited, but like, it seems like that's, that can't be what, it can't just be that, right? Like maybe like, what, is there something deeper than just the fact that like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, we can all look up at the sky and say it's blue right But that doesn't really like that is in some way truth and we can all agree on that. but I don't know that's not really powerful. Um, but Bitcoin is powerful in some different way and um, like I mentioned this in one of my articles is like it's it is like consensus. it's truth amongst human species but like it's also like a dynamic consensus like it it imbues every human being with the capacity to, to update that consensus, whether it's like by executing a transaction or, or simply by not, by just hodling. So I think there's something special about this global dynamic consensus. Um, it's almost like this analogy doesn't really work fully, but it kind of points to something. It's like, it's, it gives like every human being the ability to like implant an idea in every other human being's mind um, by either like executing a transaction or by not. And it gives that ability to every human being every ten minutes. So like, there's something there that like, I think is more than just an entry in a database or an entry in many distributed databases. It, it like, it somehow I think extends from the databases, the the ledger itself, to like the ideas inside of other human beings' minds. Like you can, I think the fact that you can update everyone else's like, like, perception of that shared ledger is maybe part of the magic what do you think about that
0: i think you're probably right but i'm grasping at the significance you know what i mean like i'm I'm, yeah i I, there's definitely something there but it it's not super clear to me at the moment you know and that that kind of i want to throw it out there that kind of uh reminds me or or speaks to the other thing that i've you know kind of observed as i've been trying to educate myself about symbolism and religion and psychology and consciousness and stuff it's like we also take for granted that you know we we take these uh mythic narrative religious story whatever and we observe them wherever they emerge and we say Mm -hmm. oh like you know these people wrote this down in this place and some people ascribe this motivation to them. Other people ascribe that motivation to them. Other people think it—you know—it was the the word of of God. Let's say, even if, and, and you know, that's a whole nother interesting concept of like, well, yeah, but you know, maybe a human hand wrote it. But that doesn't mean it, it's 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 not the word of whatever their interpretation of God was, right? But that aside for a moment, it's like with Bitcoin the the End with these religious inquiries, one of the challenging aspects is like you can, I think you can only, I mean, you can only go so far, right? Because the, the why did such similar iconography story emphasis and such emerge in all these disparate uh, parts of the world? And let's assume for the moment that, you know, the, uh, the kind of uh, unified world hypothesis that got broken apart as a result of some cataclysm is not, Uh, the case for right now but I think it's because like more than even trying to convey what's happening in these things like it imbues us it, 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 it fills us with such impulse to meaning that we end up just acting it out and and revealing it or exploring it subconsciously in our narrative and story you know, so this is kind of the thing I like to explore here where, you know, Bitcoin seems to be having a very transformative effect on people that go really deep down the rabbit hole, right? Mm -hmm. And most of that I think is subconscious, right? Like people can say, yeah, well, you know, of course, it has something to do with time preference. it has something to do with sovereignty and freedom and not being reliant on other people and being, being more secure and stable about your future and having a, you know, community of like-minded individuals and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's all true, but I, like, I still think that's only a, you know, a fraction of the picture. And, but what I think is, is interesting is as we all coalesce around this thing and as this, this gravity well emerge, like culture emerges from it, which I think is what is happening. And if we're right about this thesis of this being kind of the next base layer for civilization, then that's to be expected. Then like, through our somewhat unconscious engagement with it the proper symbols to contextualize and understand it properly will naturally coalesce and emerge right it won't be us so much like hey write a story about the meaning and significance of bitcoin okay i'm going to write it all I'm like oh wow that's it that's that's the new bible for example like i don't right. think it happens like that i think like it it'll just express the meaning of it will be expressed through us and over time the coherence of those various symbols and that meaning well sorry that will cohere into something that will coalesce into something more coherent in the mm-hmm. form of narrative because that's what we respond to most
1: yeah yeah i think that's true i think um the one like thing i worry about not really worry about but like maybe the thing that's different now as opposed to like how this process has played out you know throughout all of human history is that Like the terrain right now is like in flux in a way that it never has been before. Like previously, like humans had like the time scale upon which to like build these narratives over generations. And it may be, I mean, to a degree it's it's true now where like things change so rapidly within each generation that like, do we have the time required to, for these like narrative stories and like meaning machines to kind of like self-construct i don't know like i hope so i think i think so but i think it's going to look different than it did before um and maybe that's like that's part of what this magical bitcoin thing is is that like when i talked about like global dynamic consensus and truth like it's it's more than just truth it's like it's like an adaptive truth it's the fact that like it can be updated and changed like by anyone every 10 minutes like maybe that is the thing that like maybe that is the tool that the human species needs in this new environment, which is like the environment of exponential technological change. Um, and yeah, maybe like we don't really individually have the foresight, you know, to predict what those narratives are going to be, but something about the fact that this thing is like a truth machine, but it's also like an adaptive truth machine, like the, Mm -hmm. the, um, it's, it's immutable yet also dynamic. Like that's Something there, I think, is the is the um, the magic sauce of like is why this thing is so useful at this moment in time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think it will.
0: <clears throat> the stories will emerge more quickly, right? Because we just we seem to be yeah. in an accelerated stage, and the same <clears throat> excuse me pace that that necessitated right that pressure we were talking about before that necessitated this solution that same pace is going to act on the expression of symbol and meaning and narrative to contextualize and understand it properly. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it probably will happen at the same pace. And, you know, it's, it's interesting your idea about, okay, because, you know, money generally, whether, and, and in Bitcoin's case, the fact that everyone basically updates that immutable ledger is, is allows for this, but it is the, the communication of, you know, the preferences the behavior ultimately the the will the, un- the the conscious the unconscious of of every person and like as you say this dynamic consensus that's like mediating this constantly and do, mm-hmm. and and providing for the communication of those things in the most unadulterated pristine form ever right mm-hmm. like it, it very much is i think the process uh, at least an element of this is all of us receiving signal more pristine signal of both the conscious and unconscious behaviors of of each of us right and so in the Mm -hmm. in, in both of those cases that 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 both of those conscious and conscious behavior has its basis in at least partially in the unconscious right so you could say that like bitcoin is this machine that's helping us collectively explore the collective unconscious that each of us are subject to and that each of us attempt to mediate in order to
1: construct you know the optimal life for lack of a better term and yeah because it each it allows each person to like with the most fidelity communicate actually what their real values and desires are so, right and and, yeah. and so we we get to not only contend with that better
0: signal to use it uh-huh. you know better as better signal individually individually but that you know that creates again if we go back to this theme of like the idea of kind of symbolic narrative is mediating that relationship with the unconscious such that we we it's maximally generative maximally like not just order creating but is the proper balance between order and chaos such that we continue continue to create in
1: some way yeah Yeah,
0: exactly like if if it if it is that then the, the culture that it will create will will have that imbued in it, right? Because it's, it's helping each individual to do that. So you, you mentioned earlier about how, how Bitcoin is like mining, we mine Bitcoin, but Bitcoin mines us, right? And that, mm-hmm. I think that example kind of speaks to that a bit. It's like, whether it's, you know, the idea of fair treatment, equal treatment for everyone, like the rules apply the same to everyone, whether it's the idea of just blatant naked truth, whether it's the idea of, pristine communication whether it's the idea of of uh, connection and unity like mm-hmm. because that idea is so operative and successful in this network and mm-hmm. as we engage with it it seems completely basically unavoidable to me that though they would be transmuted into the people that engage with it as you say like, it, and when I say transmuted into the people, it's basically the idea of it mining us, right? It's yeah. taking those same ideas and principles within us and pulling them out and amplifying them. Yeah. And you know, that's a very religious, alchemical, mm-hmm. whatever sort of sort of concept. But and it sound you know it sound, it'll sound crazy to the people that aren't you know deep oh, down so- the rabbit hole like you and I. Yeah. But I don't know, it ha- it so how do you
1: yeah i think one thing to explore there is like the concept of the eternal september you familiar with that term Mm -hmm. um how like yeah there's like a you know community on twitter obviously of people who are into this stuff and gone deep down the rabbit hole and um are kind of feeling this like internal transformation happen because of it um can we expect that to happen on a wide scale i don't know I think maybe that's that's the function of these narratives you talk about is to take those little nuggets of wisdom and like package them up in a really sort of digestible way and like spray them across the entire population yeah um but like a question i have for you is like how do you how do you see those narratives constructing is it because like at the end of the day it has to be some human writing some words perhaps or like maybe it's just like the memes the meme culture just continues to broil until like things emerge as like think the sticky things but yeah um do you think it's going to be i mean there's probably going to be many different aspects of it but do you think it's going to be like people writing stories down and then like other people updating it and like what is the process by which you arrive at the bitcoin scripture if you will (laughs) that's a great question and
0: uh and so my first response to that is i to the eternal september problem I think that is exactly why um, these mythic or symbolic narratives emerged and took hold, right? Because you have, let's say, the relative few who achieved that uh, psychic or or fully integrated self-state on their own accord, right? Within, let's say, an old system. And I guess see the, the ultimate truth or value in that and expressed it in some capacity and Mm -hmm. perhaps it was seen as being of such value that it was attempted to be conveyed through symbolic narrative to a broader audience because i agree like we're all here at the beginning we're all crazy people on twitter mixing it up but like you know are in five years time when a billion people hold bitcoin or more Mm -hmm. like are they all going to be as crazy almost certainly not Right. Those does, our, does our
1: message get like wiped
0: out? Like, yeah, yeah. Now, now or... I think that, that that element of transmutation will still be there, right? Like the fact that people store their life force in a system that is equal yeah. to everybody, that is immutable, that is truthful, like it's unavoidable that that will yeah. affect some change, but we'll, I mean, we're here early for a reason because we were susceptible to those principles or those ideas, right? So mm-hmm. it's going to, the degree to which those ideas transmute is almost determined by your susceptibility or openness to them and obviously it seems seems fair to say we we are the initial cohort that is most open to them right so will that be the case for everyone probably not but such is the utility as you were saying of of the symbolic narrative to to try to cajole those people who may not be so Mm -hmm. affected but to to help them at least parameterize or, or provide a framework for allowing this form of order to uh propagate and persist as long as possible mm-hmm. right until such time that it becomes too ossified or sure. too too stale and it requires updating right yeah. so the same process playing out but and but to to answer your question about how i think that will unfold i think it's you know it's just way too presumptuous to think that it's going to happen because certain insightful individuals write down words that end up you know in an attempt to Mm -hmm. uh to convey the symbolic meaning or the narrative or 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 a framework around this and it ends up being successful I, i just don't think that can happen and i think almost even the it's almost even corrupted by the notion of that individual that their, their mm-hmm. writing and their words can have such an effect. The way I think it's going to happen is, and this is a very like, uh, you know, sort of Peterson perspective on things is all you can do is speak the truth, mm-hmm. wh- whoever you are, wherever you are, about the thing that you believe is most meaningful. And at, on an individual basis, you accept that whatever happens is the best thing that can happen as a result mm-hmm. of that. But in a social and cultural basis, I think if everyone just does that, that is how the truth emerges. And if, you know, what ultimately happens is the truths that are most resonant with the most people will end up coalescing into meaning and symbol and story and frameworks that end up properly contextualizing the the phenomenon, which let's say in this case is Bitcoin. And so I, I don't think it happens <clears throat> through conscious intent. I think mm-hmm. it happens through mm-hmm. you know, kind of a process like this where we both just sit down at the table and we're like, what the fuck is this? Well, I have no <laughs> idea. And my, and my mind is very cloudy about it, yeah. but maybe in conversation we can refine our understanding and, and, use, and use words that are perhaps novel. And to the degree that that contributes to the broader process that, of where that's happening everywhere, I think the, the correct or the most truthful interpretive framework will emerge over time naturally and not through any specific intention.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree because it's, it's almost like a paradox. If like you're trying to figure out this like some truths from the unconscious. You can't really consciously do that, right? So it's right, just, right. Oh, stop trying <laughs> in some way. Um, but maybe like the thing you can do consciously is to try to like get more people to act truthfully maybe that that is a thing that you can do that will sort of move the needle um and but yeah how
0: how do you mean in that case like get more people to act truthfully
1: um I don't have maybe concrete steps in mind right now but I'm not super familiar with Peterson's work but I think basically what he said is like if you act truthfully if you speak truth like that is good. The more people that do that is good. So like Mm. if we can figure out how to do that personally and then convince other people to do that, I think that's, that is a net positive. And I think the interesting thing is that we have this, this tool that is Bitcoin that seems to naturally help people like self-gravitate towards that. Um, so maybe the, maybe Bitcoin like does a lot of the work for us. So maybe the easiest, like, um, most like cost or ROI, um, thing we can do is just like get people to learn about Bitcoin, understand it, and like interact with it. Because the degree to which they do, like, I mean, it's like a hash function. If you go down the rabbit hole, like you're probably not coming back. And that's <laughs> that's a good thing. So like if the more we can just like dispel some of the fog around this thing, because I do think, you know, it's easy to get lost in the fact that like on Twitter and talking to you know the choir and whatnot, like it all seems so obvious and self-evident, but um From my perspective, like I've been trying to tell this to to my friends and family and like there's a lot of resistance and there's a lot of like misconceptions and like the sort of trifecta in my mind of like what allows for people to sort of like experience this like low time preference survival is like Bitcoin's like super strong property rights, um, its own like resilience, longevity, and then like the whole number go up technology like those three things I think is what like really like supercharges a personal low time preference revival. But like from the outsider's perspective, like not only is that not obvious, it's actually like the inverse is the case. Cause like mm. they look at it and think, okay, I'm probably gonna lose my Bitcoin or some hackers gonna take it from me. Like the government's probably gonna shut this thing down. Like it's not gonna last. And it's probably a bubble and like it's gonna go down in value. So like like how do we, how do we bridge the gap there um in a sort of easy digestible way to like get people to like discover these these truths that we've figured out through much um maybe intellectual toil yeah (laughs) and i think the answer to that is like like maybe we can construct some like metaphors and memes that just like get people to the door and and to walk through the door and Mm -hmm. then go through the process themselves
0: yeah yeah it makes me think of that line from morpheus in the matrix right like nobody can be told what the matrix is you have to see it for yourself mm-hmm. and i'm i know what you mean and i guess my response is like you know for me that process is like doing this right like i have these conversations almost entirely for myself but i mm-hmm. i share them publicly because like well why not you know you know yeah. one other people might enjoy them or benefit from them and two you know there's some element of a little bit of added pressure when you do something publicly, so that like you don't do it as shitty as you might, right? Because you you're kind of like, well, you know, this is a representation of me in some way, so I better, you know, make sure that I'm I'm at least trying to some degree. Um, yeah. But you know, to your point, with with the the thing that gets me is like with family, that's the one that gets me the most because like I, I I want them, you know, they don't have to go as deep or as far as I have certainly, but I want them to avail of the benefits that that this thing provides. And in the context of our current time, let's say it's a transitionary time of some kind, uh, I don't want them to to suffer from not availing of the benefits of this thing, which I think Mm -hmm. is like a very likely scenario um, now and and into the next five, 10, 20, whatever it ends up being years. Um, So for them, I'm a bit more like, I'm a bit more assertive. But in, in general about like, you know, how do you get people to see uh, like the truth and, and, and kind of buy into this? Not actually, but you know, like uh, conceptually, let's say. Um, I, I still like, I'm, I still think the best approach is for each person to, if, if, if the thing really is so great, then it's going to show through how it transforms you and, and through who you become as a result. So I Mm -hmm. still uh, fall back to thinking like the best thing that anyone can do is just use the things that they believe are the most meaningful to them, truth, Bitcoin, religion, whatever it might be, to conform to the highest like ideal or perception of themselves that they can, right? And Mm -hmm. and I, I think like definitely one of the tenets for me is being honest and speaking truthfully. Because again, like I was saying before, like that's the only shot you have at opening up the channel between you as a a node and some deeper ultimate truth that lies Mm -hmm. deep within your unconscious right like this it's the only chance because otherwise it's going to come through the filter of your ego and your motivations and your wants desires insecurities fears and it's going to it's not going to be yeah it's right so that the like it may not satisfy or it may not like stroke our ego as much to think that like all we're doing is trying to open that channel and speak truthfully because we want to construct some grander narrative that actually has a positive impact that like you know that does whatever but i think if we if we all just do that focus on ourselves focus on you know refining ourselves and using that that truth or the tools available to us to do so then you know that not only is that i think the only effective way for the real change to happen on mass, but I think it's also the most powerful way, right? Because as is probably the case with people in your life, it's like, well, you can can rail about Bitcoin until you're blue in the face and they're (laughs) gonna still think the government's gonna shut it down or it's for drug Mm -hmm. dealing or whatever. But if you are actually legitimately transformed into an increasingly, for lack of a better term, more impressive person, Mm -hmm. then people start to ask why. It's like sure. well, you know, well, like why what's what's going on there? And I and I think that is the power of true of, of the deeper truths that we as as humans experience is like they are transformative if you let them be, and the faith I guess that underlies that is that. Channeling those truths and you kind of uniting with them, and being mm-hmm. exemplars or, or examples, you know, expressing them in some way, is, one of the greatest you know objectives that you can have mm-hmm. right to you know that, that seems like a good application of faith as far as i'm concerned so i i think the way that this this unfolds is not so much through us all like if, if your thing is to is to make memes on twitter and, and send them like more power to you and i love them right but i think i think they come out of more of a just impulse to do so rather than thinking like well this is really going to you know, bring on the next uh, 10,000 people or something like right. that. So I think, I think the, the underlying thing is like, do what, what you feel kind of motivated inspired to do and express. And to the degree that you're doing that as a result of being touched by or, or changed or transformed by some truths or some insights,
1: mm-hmm. it will
0: be, it will be apparent, it'll be apparent and and that will be the most powerful impetus for inspiring others
1: Mm -hmm. no i think that's totally spot on because like i completely agree i think people in general are uh, susceptible to falling for this trap of like oh i need to go change the world and right well maybe first you know figure out your own shit you know because like there is a lot there like you can the innate human potential is like vast perhaps infinite so like chances are you're not at the infinite end of the scale. Like there's (laughs) enough work to do personally. Um, And the really like crazy thing is that you actually have 100% control over that process. Whereas like, if you're trying to go fix the world, like there's infinite variables that are impeding the progress that you think you want to make. So Mm -hmm. like the most um, bang for your buck is just like figure own stuff out first. And like, if you do that, great, then maybe go change the world, (laughs) like enough there's enough right there just to just to work on personally um and i think yeah i think that that is um there is a revival happening within like perhaps you know bitcoin twitter where like yeah people are waking up to this idea of like yeah there's a lot personally i can do to like you know further my own i don't know self and my family um i think that's a totally healthy place to start i think it is it is in contrast to fiat culture which is like it's almost like the reverse of that where it's like yeah people are trained to like degrade themselves through like victimhood culture to like in service of like like changing the world for the better you know like whatever that might be um and that's like just the wrong it's like the wrong order of operations
0: couldn't agree more couldn't agree more you know you have you know broken individuals that have not you know spent the time to get them their own selves integrated and they're uh, that are a mess in many different ways and then they're in front mm-hmm. of the loudspeaker saying you all need to do yeah. this about whatever issue because you're fucking shit up you know it's it's, yeah. it's it's you're right it's completely reversed and that's why right because there's a there's a huge presumption in in saying like well it, there's a huge presumption in in assuming that your uh your perception or your values or your principles extend and should be imposed beyond mm-hmm. your own self mm-hmm. right like because sure I, you work with your own data your own sentiments your own feelings your own ambitions and you know even even on an individ- individual basis it's difficult to to come to any degree of confidence around those things like quote unquote who should i be i mean that's that's by no means an obvious question to most people, or there's by no means an obvious answer to that question for most people. And so it's incredibly presumptuous to not only have answered that for yourself, or in most cases today, neglect that question for yourself and then mm-hmm. impose some, yeah. some artificial answer on everybody else. Um, and But to the extent that that is necessary for... To the extent that that is let's say necessary. I think that is the entrepreneurial process. It's it's by saying, and that, and that is in fact, the necessity and value of free markets because you have an individual and they're saying, uh, these, this thing is meaningful to me, or I think this work, this product, this service has value beyond just what it means to me. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to make it available to the world and the world is gonna either confirm or deny that assumption. And if it <laughs> confirms it, then I benefit because I've found a value that's applicable beyond just me. And, mm-hmm. if, and if it's denied, then back to the drawing board or, or, or even great uh, feedback for myself individually because maybe I now question the value of that thing even to myself. And yeah. so that is why it's so important to have free and open voluntary markets because it is that truth find the, the collective truth-finding fun- function where we where we discover like what are the values that we can reasonably say are collectively held and not and not impose them ever but say like oh isn't isn't that interesting that like nearly everybody values that and as a result of that a culture and society gets built where because we you know our own who we are individually like we like to think we live in a vacuum but it's very much determined by the culture that we receive mm-hmm. signals from and in, interact with and so it's so important that that culture is predicated on the pristine signals that permit the genuine discovery of those collective values principles truths so that we are most so that the relationship we establish with that culture is most accretive to to who we are able to become let's say and to the degree that that is perverted either the signals are perverted or truths and principles and values that get discovered is somehow perverted as is you know i think we'd all agree is the case today then that makes it far more difficult for our relationship with that culture to be accretive and it causes a Mm -hmm. lot more friction between the individual and that culture
1: yeah yeah i think one thing i was thinking about when you're talking was like um when you talk about free markets like it's the absence of coercion right like you put this thing out there and it's like up to the market to decide is this valuable do i think this is worth it okay, I'll reward you for that or not. Um, and in today's world, both like in economics and in culture, there's it is profuse with coercion. It's like everyone's trying to like force you to buy something, whether it be a product or like some sort of um, ideological thing, right? Like there's there's a element of coercion that I think is like, um, yeah, it, it's sort of like perverting the free market. And I think if it, it goes back to that discussion we had about like these layers of stability being like riding on top of this, like bubbling chaos. Um, And I think in this case, the free market is that bubbling chaos. And if you like, try to introduce this external constraint, which is coercion, and this is talking rather abstractly, but, um, then you sort of remove the magic of that bubbling chaos. And then the stability that is uh, dependent on that crumbles as a result. So you kind of like, by trying to introduce this this um, limiting factor in that uh, jungle of chaos like you're you're returning us to a lower state of complexity so like if you take that to the total extreme you're just gonna you're gonna um, basically drive civilization off a cliff and like we're gonna go back (laughs) to like hunter-gatherers and like we're just gonna be like a bunch of humans walking around naked trying to get food you know and like you need, to, you need to trust in the kind of control-free version of things and allow for everyone's sort of true values to like emerge on that free market. Exactly,
0: exactly. And now it's important to make the distinction between coercion and persuasion, right? Because any yes. individual who's offering something to a market, I mean, they have you know, total uh, latitude to, to try to persuade people of the value of whatever it is they're mm-hmm. doing. But I, I think you know in today's world, the coercion is represented in the money and mm-hmm. the monolithic uh, you know, uh, monopoly on force that is able to pervert and interject and regulate and, and stifle the various mar- uh, market dynamics that would emerge naturally, right? So I, I, I agree. I mean, and that's, that's exactly, I think the problem we were referring to earlier, like that, that has caused that natural process to be so stifled that now mm-hmm. it's, it's reaching a crisis or, or breaking point. And as a result of that pressure of that crisis or breaking point, here we have the thing that bubbled up and emerged from that pressure, which is Bitcoin, mm-hmm. right? It's this, it's this amazing, perhaps infinite dynamic of, of this, this process playing out on all levels, on all scales, right, mm-hmm. where you, you and I, I've, I've mentioned this before and some might think it's a silly example, but I, I remember watching a, a, a time-lapse video of a fungus growing on a tree right sure. and any and time-lapse like nature time-lapse uh, video, video and stuff is so cool because it really animates uh nature more than we're used to right because we, mm-hmm. we look at a tree and we're like yeah it's blowing in the wind it's a tree but when that camera is on there for like you know a week and you're seeing it at like 10x or 100x a time you know it these this form of life develops a personality much different than if you'd only in the time in in the domain of time that you're used to right you can see them like moving towards the sun and opening and closing and opening and closing and like it, it seems far more yes yeah, there's an interplay there yeah 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 it seems far more conscious almost in a in a weird way and um you know when when i saw this fungus it's like it had this big push right it would pulse forward to to grow on the tree and then it would contract backward and uh, yeah, ostensibly yeah. consolidate and then it would mm-hmm. pulse forward and then it would contract yeah. backward and it pulse forward and you know that seems like the uh the manner in which almost all of these cycles play out right like you mm-hmm. you need to go too far you need to overstep the utility of the order that brought you to the next level yeah in order to have that moment where you realize that it's not sufficient to get to the next level and that uh, it, it crumbles or degrades or um, consolidates in some way and something needs to change or emerge mm-hmm. to permit it to take that next step forward. And in the human sociocultural realm, at least, it seems like it's uh, the pressure of things failing, right, of, of not working and something within us collectively saying like there needs to be, we, we need to do something differently and then through the insights or innovations of certain, you know, remarkable individuals or groups of people, um, solutions are conjured up and they're put forward and then the ones that are most effective at, at performing that role are the ones that take hold. Right. So you could say like, you know, lots of smart people conjured up lots of different solutions in the political realm, the technological realm, the monetary realm, whatever, to try to address this problem. But they failed, 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 failed until one emerged that took hold that seems like it might be a viable solution. And, you know, that there's a certain level of um, like that instills me with a certain sense of calm about things, a certain kind of like fatalistic sense. Where you can say like because you can lament just how crazy things are and how badly how bad they, they could get and obviously I, I prefer to avoid that like everybody else they they offend my sensibilities let's say just like they do everyone but knowing that it's almost an inevitable natural and ultimately beneficial part of the process mm-hmm. at least gives me a little bit more um you know comfort or or acceptance around the tumult or, or or pressure or discomfort I feel as a result of being amidst that process.
1: Yeah, I think it is totally natural. I think it's you got to go far enough to hit the boundaries to learn which way to course correct. Um, and one thing I, I completely agree. Like that I too find solace in that in that process. And I do like I mentioned this before. Like kind of believe in the symmetry of things, and I think part of that is like um, yeah I believe like in the pendulum of time like things go back and forth and like it's sort of in balance but like in each moment it is out of balance and like but as you're on one side of the spectrum like baking the cake is like this force that's pulling you the other way Um, and I remember like having this realization after reading um, this book called The Passion of the Western Mind and basically just sort of like went through the intellectual history of, of the West from the Greeks all the way to the present and um, one thing that stuck with me was like wow it's like every like every new intellectual movement was like born out of the thing before it and was somehow in reaction to the thing before it and like if you look at it from a long enough time scale it's just this beautiful like swinging of a pendulum back and forth back and forth but like it's always going in some direction I think yeah it's uncomfortable to be in that like extreme phase of the swing because it feels like we're about to teeter off a cliff but but i think yeah it's like well maybe that's just how it works and we just happen to be in that moment and we are um feeling the stress but also like get to watch the emergence of the thing that like brings us back to baseline um which you know can be a i think potentially a thrilling thing just to be a part of and witness yeah i very
0: much agree and think that's a healthy perspective to have on things um speaking of you know we haven't touched on it yet but i guess part of your engagement with that process is uh i can't remember the name of it but the tree initiative the bitcoin tree (laughs) initiative why don't you you know what 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 was the driving motivations behind that doing that
1: yeah, so um, the working title right now is the, the Bitcoin Tree Forum. And originally it was the Bitcoin Tree Cathedral because in like the alliteration or the, um, I'm sorry, the uh, acronym of BTC kind of felt right. Um, but I don't know, it's it's sort of a work in progress um, up for uh, input and, and debate. But the idea kind of like, well, I'll put a point at it real briefly is like, basically bitcoin and trees so like um, a grove of trees like planted by bitcoiners um, dedicated to bitcoin and it's like kind of to serve as like a physical touchstone to this ephemeral digital network um, and you know we can talk about i think there's like maybe four or five different ways that can be true um but before i get into that like yeah just to mention like where is this thing come from it's it's really flows from uh the whole concept of low time preference and Um, I feel like there's a natural kind of like sharing of values between, you know, the Bitcoin network and the idea of like a tree or a forest. And especially when you think about like, um, some of like the older and longer lived species, like, like the giant sequoia, like these things can live for 3000 years and they grow massive. And it's like, really three beautiful. Yeah, seriously. I mean, there's only like a few groves of them left out in like the mountains in California. Um, but if you spend time there, it's like, it is a like profound experience just to like be in the presence of like something that's been doing this thing for 3000 years. Um, and I think there's an interesting overlap between, between the cool concept of like planting a tree that, you know, you're not ever going to see the maturation of and, um, sort of interacting with the Bitcoin community and like sort of feeling this low time preference sort of personal revival. I think it's like, in a way it's, it's like a, a way to sort of exercise that, that impulse that many in the community feel to like go and do something that has like a longer time scale. Um, so that's kind of where it came from, but I think like its utility is, yeah, there's a few things there. It's like, it could, I think, serve as a, a place of like education inspiration for um, people who are not into Bitcoin. Maybe it is one of those like, sort of memes or metaphors that can reach people and like, get them to take this thing seriously, um, because I think the whole concept of like low time preference is like, I think it'd be it'd be pretty hard to find a human that like thinks that's a dumb idea, because I think like, you know, anyone who like eats a bag of Cheetos and like their better selves are thinking like that was a bad idea. I shouldn't have done that. But, like in the in the moment that was nice, but like we all know that like we should do these things that are like good for us long-term. Like, yeah, it'd be nice if I went to the gym like every day for the last 10 years, and that'd be cool. Um, And I think to find something that transcends um, like political ideologies these days, and like we're in a very fractured world. And if there's a value that like people can resonate with from different camps, I think that's a useful potential portal to bring more people into the Bitcoin ecosystem. Because while you might think that like, this whole Bitcoin thing is inevitable. Like, you can believe that, but it's still true that there is there are a couple of variables there as far as like arriving at hyper Bitcoinization. Like, a, it's like how long is it going to take, and b, is like how how bumpy is that process going to be? And I think the um, the breadth of adoption is the thing that will affect those two variables. And so I think there is like there is work to be done to like try to try to make this more accessible to people. Um, so in my mind, it's like, what if we go and plant these trees and like, try to like help people see that, um, this whole Bitcoin project is sort of a life affirming, like civilization enhancing, um, movement. Um, so yeah, that's in a rambling nutshell, what, what the idea is. Um, and I think, there is value in it. Like there's, there's a few different things, ways it can bring value to the world. And I think it's, it ranges from like on a spectrum between like, for sure, slam dunk, like it's definitely gonna provide value to like more like pie in the sky potentialities. And like, I'll kind of run through them real quick. It's like, A, I think planting these trees is like, it's just a good thing for the world. Like these things are beautiful. And like, I think we as humans respond to, to grandeur in like a like positive way. Like not everyone's mm-hmm. going to be able to like surf a big wave or climb Mount Everest or like swim with a blue whale, but like anyone can just go and take a walk and sit down in like a grove of really big trees. And like, I think they can feel something that like every human ideally should have contact with. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, could,
0: that's the idea of all that we were kind of talking about earlier, right? Like you're, you're in the presence of something that doesn't, at least, fully register consciously the the, mm-hmm. the the full impact or meaning of it, right? And but you 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 know it. It's like you know it's why people do it, right? It's why people go and hang out in forests. It's why they go on, uh, you know, hikes to get views of the ocean or or climb yeah. mountains to get views of the surrounding area. It's because like that sense of awe is filling you up with something that you can't that's that's ineffable ineffable, but that you obviously place a tremendous
1: value on mm-hmm. so yeah i think it's like within our power to give that experience to humans like a thousand years from now like and so it's just it's very simple to like order one of these trees online you get like a little sapling in the mail it's like it cost like 10 bucks you dig a hole you put it in the ground you give it some water like it's a very low investment for in my mind a huge payoff, even though that's like potentially a thousand years from now. Um but I think even the the activity of doing that of like actually putting these values into action is um it is good for the soul it is good for like you you can like maybe connect with your family about like oh these are this is like our heritage grove and like whatever our grandkids are going to see when and their grandkids are going to see like that's a cool thing. Um so that's like one way like like yeah net benefit like plant these trees. I think the world is a better place for it. Um but I think there is like a way in which we can like tie this to Bitcoin and like leverage that to advance the cause in some way. And that is like maybe um yeah you plant these these trees um you slap a QR code on a plaque and like maybe some description of like pointing people to some sort of educational resource. Like they're out for a walk in the park, they see this thing and like maybe it prompts them to like just like check out Bitcoin and go down the journey with like, with an open mind. So like, mm. maybe that's a good thing. Um, maybe this is just a way for you and your local community to like find the other Bitcoiners and just like, you can meet up and like um, sort of grow the local Bitcoin network. Um, take it one step further. You could host a meetup in the Grove um, and you can like try to actually convince some of your neighbors, like, here's this thing. Let's think about it in terms of like, um these long time scales and like it's not just like a get rich quick like magic internet money thing no it's actually like this upgrade for civilization um and yeah i I that like you plant a little sapling it's like a foot tall like it's not a giant sequoia like there's there's a a bit of like disconnect between you know the initial state of it and where it's going but that's kind of the point is like we need to like use our imaginations to project forward and like a long time i know like we're not really naturally uh doing that in a day-to-day basis in our current culture but um i think giving people the opportunity to tangibly do that um could be like a light bulb moment for some people Um, isn't there
0: some isn't there some quote about like you know the, the mark of a a high civilization is men who plant trees that they'll never sit under or something am i getting that wrong
1: yeah no i think that is it's basically it it's like like men who will not like live to see like grow like sit in the shade or something like that right Um, yeah yeah i think there's some chinese proverb you know like (laughs) the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago the second best time is today right and that's true yeah you know i think think to sorry go ahead um well i was just gonna say like so these places can be like places of education inspiration like to sort of get the message out in a different way that's like Um, orthogonal to like the internet culture memes that are like circulating on Twitter because there's like there's a lot of people that are not going to be receptive to the style of memification that happens on Twitter and that's okay so I think like it's it's you mean not everyone's
0: going to respond positively to the porn memes
1: yeah probably (laughs) not you know (laughs) so maybe we should think about other ways to do it too and like it's all good you just do all the things and it's going to work out and like maybe this is one of those things but then like what if a bunch of Bitcoiners around the world start doing this. And like, we have this network of like, call them like node groves, or like maybe there's a dedicated node for your local, you know, Bitcoin tree forum. You could use that to sort of like bootstrap like a parallel opt-in voluntary local government. Like you could use it as a way to just coordinate human action and just like tinker with like civics in a way. Um, Or maybe like one idea I had was like, If people embrace this idea and start doing it, like if we had some sort of donation mechanism behind it, where like we could um, attach like a maybe a lottery system and have that triggers every um, uh, like havening that like pays out to someone who has like kept their grove alive for the last four years, and I think it's like an interesting place to consider, like how do we start building. Um, like Bitcoin native culture um, yeah. and tying it to Bitcoin native events. And like, like you said, like maybe the, this is not really the way to go about it, like consciously trying to bring it into existence. But I think if we start doing these things, like the right sort of solution, some, some good ideas will come up. So this is like yeah. my attempt to throw out an idea that, that might even just like lead to the next idea. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, the proper approach to, to such things.
0: You know and at the very least you should uh, you should like have a well I mean it's still going to be to you but like to the to the extent that people trust you to be a steward of a grove or your own grove or whatever you know you should at least like have a lightning address that people can send to because Mm -hmm. you know in in I've been working on well with the way the content creation and publishing is going now like uh you're going to be able to split the stream right so like it, i think in the case what what we've been doing at, at the ct pod that i've been working on is we say like um you know a part of the stream goes to the guest right and mm-hmm. the guests can choose to have it go to their uh address or a uh, a charitable organization that receives uh lightning payments That's right cool, yeah. and so what's super interesting and, and they all choose uh the charitable organization because at this point the amount of sats is like negligible it's like 50 mm. 100,000 whatever um and you know it would be cool if you know, you were set up to receive that and that all of that, those streaming sats went to, I don't know, buying more saplings and planting them or or funding Mm -hmm. it or, or stewarding it in some way so that, you know, people knew they had an option like, well, because if all content in the future, and maybe this won't be the case, but I I like to think that like, there's going to be a value, there's going to be an exchange, like a monetary exchange for a lot more things in the future than there are now. And I think that would be a better way of mediating and valuing and, uh transmitting content let's say for lack of a better term um it would be cool if, if like you you knew as you were listening to a podcast and you were paying like one satoshi ten satoshis a minute or you boosted a thousand satoshis that part of that is going towards planting trees that are going to live for three thousand years like that that's yeah. kind of a feel-good sort of uh activity you know
1: totally yeah um I mean, or you could you could route like on in your local Grove that, you know, any Bitcoiner can confound, like, yeah, you can have a plaque. It could have a QR code that routes a donation to the human resources or human rights foundation or to big devs or like pick your charity of choice. Like that's a way to like show people that, yeah, this is a tool that can be used for like net civilizational beneficial things. Yeah. Um, but the, the, what I was going to say before is like, I,
0: I love the idea because I, I used to, and still largely do consider like the forest, my cathedral, right. I I always just loved how, uh, unadulterated and unobstructively truthful it was, right. Like nobody had imposed anything in this environment. It was all just real live reality doing its thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've come as I gain an appreciation for at least the motivation behind, uh, Religious stories and how they can imbue work with, with the sacred effectively, and how that manifests in really amazing achievements like the building of cathedrals. I've, I've softened my former criticism on on viewing those buildings or institutions as kind of contaminated by uh, impure motivations. Let's say, you know, and, and I, I can kind of parse that now and, and just really, really respect and. You'd basically be in awe that whatever form of meaning was motivating the people behind this thing it was clearly powerful because it resulted in the creation of something that stands the test of time and imbues one with a sense of awe and and is a representation of beauty and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff you know so mm-hmm. um I, I guess what i'm saying is i i appreciate both uh, at this point but you know you've obviously given thought to this and you actually mentioned cathedrals in, in in one of your pieces if not more but like do you have any thoughts on like if 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 bitcoin is going to not only lower time preference lower than we've ever had before but if it's also kind of a, a wellspringer or source for the welling up of meaning within the individual however that process ultimately unfolds what kind of building or structures or representations of the meaning of that truth do you think will will be will bubble up like obviously what mm-hmm. you just articulated is is one way in which you could do that yeah. do you think you know we'll we'll get back into cathedral building or will be some other manifestation of building of, of, a reflection of both meaning and low time preference
1: yeah i think so i hope so um you know what it's like I think in the future in which um low time preferences sort of pervaded culture and politics and everything i think like you're not going to be a world-class city unless there is some project that is is going to span generations like you know it wasn't in the past it was more common for like you know a a major city to like be building a cathedral and taking like 500 years to to actually happen like that just doesn't happen anymore like there's there's the Sagrada Familia Cathedral in Barcelona. And that's like, that's the exception that proves the rule. Mm. Um, And I think, um, yeah, I think it's only natural that like, if a city, if a conglomeration of humans that is like building this thing called civilization is like sort of reaches critical mass enough and is like, like tapped into the impulse that drives civilization, like the natural thing is going to be like, is going to manifest somehow in some great like, building or achievement that's going to take a long time it's going to take a lot of resources like people are going to have to like basically look 100 200 years in the future to like see the return on investment and i can't i can't really speculate into what right. exactly the yes. form that's going to be but i do know that like like one way to express that is by planting a tree and like if you can get your hands on a giant sequoia and if you live in like a climate that permits it like that is a super super easy way for you to like do that yourself whether it be in your own yard or in your like the local park in your community like like yeah it's gonna take a thousand years for this thing to be impressive but like it costs almost nothing to do it all requires is patience and a little bit of vision and just like your local human node is going to be a a better place because of it so I think yeah the more people are naturally tapped into that impulse like that just that just happens. It expresses itself in, in a myriad of ways that aren't really individually predictable. And yeah, I think there's going to be more cathedral and there's going to be more like great engineering marvels. Like, you know, it's been a while since like America's really done something that's like super, super impressive, right? Like putting a man on the moon like building the golden gate bridge, like the transcontinental railroad, like we don't really do big, bold things anymore, but I think we will again. I think we were going through this process and like hopefully it happens soon and smoothly and we can get back to this like project called civilization but i think we're a little yeah. bit at a standstill right now totally you know it's interesting that your comment
0: about uh you know cities citadels of the future almost uh like one of their the primary ways that they kind of express or assert their dominance and in, in relation to other ones you know mm-hmm. it might be like uh how long into the future is the is your like main project yeah. projected? You know, it's like, oh, you're building something that's going to take two hundred years. We're over here building something that's going to take a thousand years. Yeah, and right. almost in in an interesting way, it's like <clears throat> that's almost a flex too, right? Because because oh. it's saying like we have the resources to mm-hmm. you know sure. to be able to say that we can maintain everything the way we want it to be maintained while still permitting something like this to be worthwhile, while still all mm-hmm. agreeing that something like this is worthwhile. And, you know, we can only speculate about the Egyptians and the pyramids and stuff like that, right? But it is, the more we start to reframe our perspective on, on time and on work and on why such approaches to those things, why the worthwhileness of those, uh, our approaches to those things might change from what we were conditioned to and grew up in, Like, it's really interesting to think about those places. Like, what were civilizations like that thinking about their relationship to time and their relationship to the divine or to ultimate meaning and, you know, as and how it manifested in these megalithic long-term projects that, you know, they were never going to see the fruits of. And, like, what was it that made those things so worthwhile to them? You know, I know the standard explanation is like, well, you know you had to build a tomb for the king who was so revered as as a god. It's like, maybe, but very unlikely, as far as I'm concerned, or at least far too narrow of a explanation. You know, I've been in the pyramids, and they seem either inma- incredibly grand and far more complex than most people think in terms of the inner workings and the different rooms and passages and size of things. like. It seems like there were other motivations and uh, maybe our, the, the way in which Bitcoin is going to change our relationship to time and time preference and the worthwhileness of, of having things be a part of the culture that are representations of a long-term perspective on things, maybe that'll give us some you know fresh insight into uh, examples of that in the past.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it I, does. I I hope so too, and yeah, this is kind of mystery, like, yeah, maybe there's a debate whether or not it's just like all slave labor and some guy decided to do it, and that's why it happened, or is it was everyone feeling it? You know, like I think <laughs> I'd like to believe that, like, yeah, these things happened because everyone was feeling it, and like I think there's there's something inherently good about this whole idea of low time preference, like it's you talk about like truth, beauty, and goodness, and like. There's something just good about it. I mean, it's hard to really ex- explain rationally why, but um, as humans, you respond, I think, in the affirmative to that to that impulse. And like, yeah, maybe it was that whatever the the society, the culture was healthy enough that like it was an, not an uncommon thing for people to sort of be in touch with that component of human nature, and therefore like go willingly along with like trying to build something that's grand and and sort of like long live that they won't actually enjoy the fruits of. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's just like the natural output of a healthy society. And, yeah, that like I mean, and me in current days, it's hard to, it's hard to really uh, feel that. So maybe we're just, you know. And and again, like to this idea of that we've
0: been discussing about pulling forth the, the eternal things of greatest value within us. I mean, it kind of makes sense that the physical representation of that would be something that is as eternal as possible right so that that is like you know for example the pyramid like that's probably going to outlast most of human civilization at least it has thus far um, and something you know of, of great beauty or at least awe-inspiring you know so again it's just that that recurring theme of you know us trying to externalize or represent and create a symbolic tunnel toward to those things that are even if subconsciously of the greatest value to us
1: yeah yeah i like that phrase symbolic tunnel i think that that gets to the heart of it yeah uh, and yeah my my sort of one of the whole bitcoin tree forum idea is just like everyone can do it to some degree like, this is a way that's accessible to anyone um go out there plant a tree and then I think once that's done, there's some interesting ways to like sort of attach Bitcoin to it and leverage it to sort of at least try to convince your neighbors, try to like form some sort of critical mass in your local community. Um, totally. Maybe that's that happens, maybe not. But if if it doesn't happen, at least, you know, there's this tree that someone a thousand years from now will look at and enjoy and thank you for. Yeah, I, I think, uh, like I said, you should
0: you know, set something up so that people that want to contribute to that can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I can just open my phone and, and fire you like, you know, 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 sats on Breeze and know that I've just planted a,
1: totally.
0: a sequoia tree somewhere, I, I, I'd i be very interested in doing that, you know, and it'd be cool yeah. to link that up to to content publishing in the future, like I said. So yeah,
1: you know, I'll, l- I'll, let, let me know when that gets set up. I'm definitely gonna work on that. But right now, I mean, I do have a website, there is like, you can go on there and like buy some digital photos and you, there's like a, you can buy a t-shirt and a bumper sticker. So like there's ways to do it, but um, I do need to integrate just like sad streaming somehow, or just like Bitcoin donations. Cause obviously that's, that's the whole point of this whole thing. So yeah. there's a mountain of things that's on that list and that's definitely- stuff. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
0: Well, man, um, this has been great. I, I appreciate the conversation and um, you know, it's, it helps me work through some of the ideas that I've been wrestling with. So, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, if you if you got any final closing remarks or anything, go for it.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I had a great time too. And, um, yeah, if anyone wants to, you know, reach out on Twitter and, like, DM me and we can talk about how we might want to, you know, work on this this whole tree project or just, you know, um, talk about Bitcoin, I'm an I'm, I'm open channel. Um, so um, really appreciate the opportunity to come here and talk. And it was a lot of fun.
0: Man, well, look, all the best. And uh I'm sure we'll we'll do this sometime in the future.
1: Cool. Sounds great. All
0: right, brother. Take care. Take care, you too.
1: See ya. Bye.